Grab a seat. Whoa. Spotlight. Oh. I may not move about too much. I played my first over 30 men's league soccer match yesterday, which I was uh, thoroughly unprepared for. And so if I bend over, um, you, know when I, you know when like an engine doesn't have enough oil and it can just kind of seize? I feel like my quads might seize at any moment right now. So if I fall over, someone in the front come grab me and prop me back up. And what I just said really has nothing to do with what we're about to talk about. Um, we've been in the book of Joshua. Turn to the book of Joshua, chapter 1. And we've been talking about leadership. Man, my voice sounds loud. Uh, we've been talking about leadership and the season that Midtown's in and the difficulties of the summer and moving about. And um, specifically, we've been looking at how God leads his people through other people. That we are the means by which he chooses to lead and do his work in the world. That he could do it a lot of different ways, but this is the way. We see it all the way through redemptive history. He chooses to use people to do it. That's what he chose. 2 Corinthians 5 talks about this. He even says that we're Christ's ambassadors as though God is making his appeal through us. He's reconciling the world through Christ and through Christ through us. So we have an active role in that. And Randy's been inviting us into considering that if this is true, then we're all leaders. Every one of us in this room. And I know, um, because I'm up here and um, I've been through a different process maybe than all of you, it's easy for you to think of Randy or myself, okay, yeah, that's a leader, maybe somebody who leads a small group. But we're really inviting you guys to consider this. Even though there's something in you that may say, I doubt that with every fiber of my being. Would you just go on the journey of saying, okay, Lord, if you've called me to lead, I'm going to trust that. Now, what does that look like? Because this can look like a lot of different things. It may be real outward and overt, like leading a small group, or maybe you're involved in a mission here in the city or something globally. Or maybe you just lead amongst your group of friends. You bring leadership to that environment. Or maybe it's in your marriage, or maybe it's just in your family, with your own children, or maybe it's just in your moral life, that the Lord is calling you and I into stepping into following him and bringing leadership into our lives and into the lives of the people around us. So a few weeks ago, Randy talked about some of the preparation of Joshua, that he was following Moses, that he had Moses uh, for a long time, that he was kind of his apprentice um, he talked about, and I would encourage you to go back and listen to this again because it's something we need to consider, living in the now, that after Moses died, now Joshua was being brought into leadership and how when we don't live in the now, we live in the future or we live in the past, that robs us from what the Lord's doing and experiencing what the Lord's doing right now. And then last week, Randy taught through, uh, I don't know exactly what the verses are, I guess it would be uh, verses yeah, 6 through 9. This be strong and courageous, God's charge uh, to Joshua. And I love, I saw the video, I wasn't here, but I, I saw the video that he showed that this was much more than a locker room pep talk uh, that God was giving Joshua, you know, kind of a little slap on the can as he heads out the door to go knock off the promised land and take it from all the people who were there. Um, 
he knew that would be difficult, but Randy really unpacked that there would be something much more difficult that was going on, that they would need to be strong and courageous. And that would be to be people of the word, to battle, to be strong and courageous as people who put their face and their hearts and their minds and their lives in front of the word. He talked about that we should be people who speak it, that we meditate on it, and that we obey it. And that when we do those things, the Lord connects that truth with the idea of not being dismayed, not being frightened. But we have the strength and the courage to do what he's calling us to do. So this week we're going to look at specifically Joshua 10 through 18. And this is where we see Joshua for the first time really exercising his leadership over all of Israel. And Randy and I were talking about this. And so think in these terms with me this morning. This is where Joshua is finding his voice as a leader. He's finally finding his voice as the leader of Israel. So Joshua 10 through 18, I will read it. Actually, I'll start in verse 9 because this is important. This is the Lord speaking. He says, Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous? Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So Joshua ordered the officers of the people, go through the camp and tell the people, get your supplies ready. Three days from now, you will cross the Jordan here and go in and take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you for your own. But to the Reubenites and the Gadites and the half-tribe of Manasseh, Joshua said, remember the, the command that the Moses, that the Moses, that Moses, that the Moses uh, the servant of the Lord gave you, the Lord your God is giving you rest and has granted you this land. Your wives and your children and your livestock may stay in the land that Moses gave you east of the Jordan, but all of your fighting men, fully armed, must cross over ahead of your brothers. You are to help your brothers until the Lord gives them rest, as he has done for you. And until they too have taken possession of the land that the Lord is giving them. After that, you may go back and occupy your own land, which Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you east of the Jordan, towards the sunrise. Then they answered Joshua, whatever you have commanded us, we will obey you to do. And wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we fully obeyed Moses, so we will fully obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your word and does not obey your words, whatever you may command them will be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. So Joshua is finding his voice. Joshua is assuming command over the armies of Israel. The Lord has given the word and it's time to move. Three days and we cross the Jordan and we head into the promised land. This wasn't a new idea. This is something that, that Joshua would have been familiar with. Even the people of Israel would have been familiar with. It was the fulfillment of a promise that God made to his people long ago through Moses, which we see in chapter, or in verse 3 of this first chapter. And I got thinking about this, and um, we're going to talk just, and this is, this is really pretty practical this morning. For those of you who like to go and do something after this, Give me something, some handholds. I, I really believe you're going to have something to kind of grab a hold of uh, when we get done. But this would have been a sleepless night for me. 
I don't care how long I knew it was coming. Um, the proposition of heading into battle, into taking the promised land, would have been a sleepless night. I used to have trouble sleeping when I knew I was going on vacation. <laughs> I mean, seriously. And that's something easy, y'all. Like, you lose sleep over recreation. <laughs> I got butterflies thinking about playing this soccer game. There were two moms and four children, and we were in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> uh, you would have thought I was playing in the World Cup. So, <laughs> this is not easy. Because I wasn't going into battle yesterday, but Joshua was, and so was the rest of Israel. So how is Joshua doing this? How is he beginning to find his voice? And there are going to be a few principles in here, but I would encourage you that they're all tied together. And the first is this, is that he's finding his voice at this level because this is not his first time leading. He is now the leader of Israel, but he has been a leader within the context of Israel for quite some time. This wasn't his first time leading. He had to lead on smaller levels first. And that those smaller levels were being used by the Lord to prepare him to lead for now. We talked about this just briefly in the whole idea of him following Moses. He was Moses' assistant. Even during that time, he was a scout and a spy. And then in Deuteronomy 31... In Numbers 27, the Lord makes it clear to Moses, Joshua is the guy to precede you. And Joshua, if you go to those passages, Moses gives some of the very same language to Joshua that the Lord gives to Joshua in Joshua 1. And then finally, the Lord commands Joshua here in Joshua 1. What I'm driving at here, and it's important, is there was a process to Joshua getting to this point. He didn't just all of a sudden wake up one day and the Lord called him to being the leader of all of Israel. There was a process. So here's a question for us. How do you do with submitting to processes? Do you like going to the DMV? Do you? Do you like waiting in lines and filling out paperwork? and Currently... I mean, if I were to examine it, we could pick on a lot of different things right now. In our culture, I see this idea of having to submit to a process as something we try to avoid at all costs. I, in fact, and we'll get to this in a second, I don't want to submit really to anything, is the truth. But submitting to a process is not something I want to do. In fact, we actually, in our culture, we celebrate people who have apparently figured out shortcuts to processes and we've embraced this kind of theology, the shortest road to the greatest apparent outcome. That's wisdom. Now we see this in things like a McDonald's hamburger and um, a Burger Up hamburger, let's say. Do you guys like restaurant hamburgers? I mean, there's just, there's just a significant difference, isn't there? I mean, even Hardee's, and don't get me wrong, I love Hardee's. But I'm really, ce- I celebrate what they've done. They... they <laughs> They bucked the trend. They said when everything was going to efficiency, smaller, quicker, they said, no, we are making a giant hamburger the size of a Frisbee. You're going to get one of those little table tents, and you're going to have to sit out there and wait for some person to make this for you. But it's going to be better than what you're going to get, say, at Wendy's. So, And I'm not bashing fast food. I enjoy it myself. But what I'm getting at is, is that, The process leads to something richer. It leads to something greater. 
but we're pretty committed all the time in our lives, and especially in this area of the Lord bringing leadership into our lives and maybe even how he would use us to lead. What's the shortest path? How can I get there quickest? This is not the case for Joshua, and I would suggest that for us, if we're going to lead the way that the Lord would have us lead, whether that's just in your own personal life or whether that's actually leading in some formal fashion outwardly, submitting to a process of being developed is unavoidable. You have to embrace that. So we start small. This is the first thing for you people who like to take down notes for thoughts. Starting small, you learn to lead in smaller areas first. Before you'll be able to or prepared to lead in some other area, some other larger way, you must lead in some smaller way. And really what I'm saying when I'm saying that is, is you must learn how to follow in smaller ways. To see leadership brought into your life, you have to follow in smaller ways before you can follow him into bigger ways. Because Joshua was following the Lord into the promised land. I'm going before you. I'm accomplishing this. Not you. Follow me. Call these people. Lead them into it. Go to Numbers 9 if you have a Bible. And I, I, want, you to, I want you to think about the term process while I'm, I'm going to read this. Because we struggle. We, we want to see God move and, and do things dramatic, don't we? I mean, as much as we're terrified of the whole, you know, promised land, conquest, all this stuff, we want that. I want to see God move in some significant ways in my life. But if he's moving in these just kind of hardly traceable, small ways, I'm not satisfied with that. I want something more dramatic, something sexier, something more spectacular. This is Numbers chapter 9, and um, it would be hard to kind of get into all the history of this, but... Um, the tabernacle, which is the place where they came to worship the Lord, make sacrifices, things like that. And the Lord, his presence, uh, represented uh, here in a pillar of cloud and fire. And I want you to think about the process here. Not so much the details of what we're reading, but the process that the Lord was taking them through. This is Numbers chapter 9, uh, verse 15. On the day that the tabernacle was set up, the cloud covered the tabernacle, the tent of the testimony to the presence of the Lord. And at the evening, it was over the tabernacle, like the appearance of fire in the morning, and so it always was. The cloud covered it by day, an appearance of fire by night. And the cloud lifted from over the tent. After that, the people of Israel set out. And in the place where the cloud settled down, there the people of Israel camped. And at the command of the Lord, they set out, and at the command of the Lord, they camped. As long as the cloud rested over the tabernacle, they remained in the camp. And when the cloud continued over the tabernacle many days... The people of Israel kept the charge, the command of the Lord, and they continued to stay there. Sorry, I lost my place in my tiny Bible here. So even when the cloud continued over the tabernacle many days, the people of Israel set out. They kept the charge of the Lord and did not set out. Sometimes the cloud was a few days over the tabernacle, and according to the command of the Lord, they remained in the camp. And then according to the command of the Lord, they set out. Sometimes the cloud remained from evening until morning. And when the cloud lifted in the morning, they set out. Or if it continued for a day and a night, when the cloud lifted, they set out. You hear the repetition here, yeah? You see what's happening, the process? 
Look at verse 22. Whether it was two days or a month or a longer time that the cloud continued over the tabernacle abiding there, the people of Israel remained in the camp and they did not set out. But when it lifted, they set out. They did this for years, guys. <laughs> Why? Because the Lord was teaching them a process. It was a very simple thing. They weren't in wartime right now. Manna was coming down from heaven. The Lord was providing them with their food. And he was teaching them something very simple. That he was not just their provider, sustainer, but he was their leader. He decided when they camped and when they moved. He was the one who determined that. What they did with their time, what they did with their days. This is a very simple way to say it. He was teaching them how to follow him, how to be directed by him. It was a process. When we, most of us, hear leadership, I think we think this. We think of self-sufficiency, don't we? We don't think of following. We don't think of a process. We think of, do I have what it takes? Can I make all the right decisions? And then even when we think about stepping into a, a position of leadership, giving some direction, commanding, we don't like these kind of terms, I know. We think of having to actually be superior to the people <laughs> that we're leading. But seldom do we remember that the leadership we're talking about here in Joshua, it was command under authority, under submission. Joshua was giving direction to the people because he was being given direction from the Lord. So they learned first in simpler ways in the desert so that they would be ready, that they would have the experience, that they would understand the process for the days to come, crossing the Jordan, taking the promised land. So we start small. Where are you unwilling to start small? Seriously, I need you to think about this for a second. And, you know, my time in the Word, it's just kind of, oh, I feel like I'm sitting in the tent and there's no movement. And I'm sitting here for days and days and days and days. It doesn't really feel like the Lord's moving, huh? <laughs> do you see what I just did with my leg? Mm, kind of like a whiny kid. What about your prayer life? Yeah, just, you know, I kind of pray. just doesn't seem really dramatic. doesn't really seem like I hear much. What about your time in meditation, your time in listening? Would you be willing to sit when he says sit? Move when he moves. Let him direct you. But start small. We have to start small. If you are not submitting to the Lord in some of these smaller areas of your life, it's no wonder that you're not feeling his direction in some of the larger questions that you're asking. I mean that from the bottom of my heart as someone who struggles to stay in some of these smaller areas. The second thing is this, and this has to do with what I just read, because sitting or starting small is really, uh, I've, I've phrased it this term, embracing the desert. Most of us are trying to get across the Jordan and into the promised land without the simple training of the desert. That is to say, I want a dramatic experience of leading and following God. But if years in the desert 
simply learning how to follow him, how to be in his presence, how to hear his voice. If that's the prerequisite, I don't have that kind of time. I don't have that attention span. I'll get to the promised land some other way. So what's your promised land? It's a question we need to ask. It's something you you and I really need to think about. Is it a better job? More money, more free time? Better marriage, different marriage? Having kids, having better kids. (laughs) Recognition for what you do. What is it? We're infatuated with the quick and the spectacular, aren't we? We want the show. We want the speed. We want the efficiency. You guys remember the ab shocker? I don't know what happened to this. I bet you could find a bunch of them on Craigslist. It's like a giant weight belt that shocks the fat on your stomach. And they used to run these commercials. I was up this morning and early with Hudson, and uh, P90X was on, and this guy who had a body like it was made out of this concrete floor was like, 90 days, and look at me, and I can, you know, chop down those pillars with my hands, and showing all these exercises, doing like one-arm push-ups, you know, on a table somewhere. And um, I was like, where's the ab shocker? (laughs) Like what happened to the video, like the morning where, you know, they're like, you just put this on and then you press this like button like on a massage chair and you can eat ice cream while this makes your abs (laughs) look remarkable. And, uh, and even, you know, the guy that they show, it's never the same guy, is it? It's like, that isn't even the same dude. He's got blonde hair. We've got to embrace the desert of P90X. <laughs> it's going to take time. And really what I'm saying in this, and these, again, these are kind of connected, but I have to embrace the process of being developed, of finding my voice as a leader. You will never lead how you can in whatever area. You will never find that voice if you first cannot find your voice as a follower. You got to start small. If you're wanting the Lord to reveal to you or begin to reveal to you what his will is for your life or even what his will is in a specific situation, yet you never spend time with him. You never, you never do the small things learning his voice, seeking his presence, moving when he moves, sitting when he sits. And all of that seeking is in vain. He loves you. Listen to this. This is so important. He loves you too much to give you such knowledge, such revelation, without teaching you about the process of relying and depending on him. Because the leadership, and don't miss this, Joshua was not confused about this, The leadership he is calling you to is leadership that you, in and of yourself, you cannot do. You can't bring it. There is no bootstraps for this. The road he's calling you to in your own moral life, in your own personal life, the road he's calling you to in stepping into the lives of other people in this world, you 
cannot do it. That's where the P90X illustration breaks down. He's the only way you can do it. That's why what Randy said the other day about living in the now is so important. Because in the now is the only time he can prepare you. He cannot prepare you in the future for the future or in your past. It's in the now that he prepares us for what comes next. In a book called Waiting by a guy named Ben Patterson, he says this. He says, at least as important as what we are waiting for is the work God desires to do in us while we wait. Ugh. No, come on, seriously? We don't like to hear it, but it's true. He wants to do work in us while we wait, and it's as important as what we're waiting for. All right, wrapping that up, starting small, embracing the process of development, going back to what Randy said last week, being people of the word, spending time with the Lord, receiving direction from him. All of these things preceded Joshua finding his voice and acting on what he was commanded by the Lord to do. But all of what I've just said is impossible and it's fruitless if you and I haven't first embraced it. It's a simple, yeah, I'm going to say this to you, it's an incredibly culturally elusive truth and you're going to hate what I'm about to say because I hate it. There's a part of me that just resists it with every fiber of my being. The one who is giving the commands to Joshua, the one who is giving the directions to Joshua, he referred to himself as this, the Lord your God. Lord, headship, authority. Speaks to things like direction, protection, fulfillment. So we have to embrace the process. We have to start small. We have to embrace the desert. The last thing I would encourage you that you must embrace if you long to find your voice as a leader and you need to because the Lord's calling you to lead is that you've got to embrace authority. To find your voice as a leader, to see the Lord bring his leadership into your life, into my life, and consequently, leadership through us, we must embrace him as Lord. Now, I could talk about this for a long time, and I'm going to. This sermon is going to be an hour and a half. I'm kidding. We hate authority, don't we? I mean, I rebel against rebelling. <laughs> Let's just admit it. I mean, I can see it in my children. They just want to push the rules all the time, the boundaries all the time. Um, I listen to pop radio because I don't have a CD player or a tape player in my old truck. Yes, I have a truck. No, you can't borrow it. Um, whatever. I'll end up letting you. I know. Uh, John Mayer has a little catchy tune out right now. Half my heart. You know? Oh, it's so sweet. He likes me. Wait, he doesn't like me. We kind of do it with authority, don't we? College kids. Half of my heart wants my parents' credit card and half of my heart doesn't want them have to tell me how to spend their money. <laughs> <laughs> I 
or with my parents, like half of my heart wants you to take my kids for the weekend so I can have a break, and half of my heart wants you to stop telling me how to raise my kids. <laughs> We're really half-hearted when it comes to authority. It's bad. I want the Lord's authority in my life, but only kind of. Because when he starts to mess with certain areas of my life, don't mess with that stuff. I, I don't want your authority, but I'm encouraging you that we have to embrace it. It's, it's all or nothing, guys. It's all or nothing. And the beauty of what I see in Joshua, um, and we're going to talk just for a few more minutes about feelings and how they fit into this. Because I know when I use the word authority, all of us have bad experiences. We have a lot of bad feelings wrapped up in the idea because a lot of us have had authority in our life that has been abused. People have abused their authority and hurt us, and that's, that's valid. But Joshua and Caleb, when they were doing the spy stuff, pre the leader of Israel, in Numbers 14, they went in and scouted out this land that they were about to take. And they came back, and their report was, we can do this. They were the only spies that got sent out and said, let's do this. Let's roll. We can take this land. And the rest of the spies grumbled and said, we can't do it and we're afraid. And these guys are huge. And, and so the Lord, because of that situation, was saying, you're going to wander in the desert. I'm going to teach you some processes. I would have struggled if I was Joshua. Because I felt so certain, right? We can do this. Seriously, now we're going to go wander in the desert for 40 years? Come on, God. But Joshua understood something. He had embraced something. And I would encourage you, if you're going to find your voice as a leader, you have to embrace this. It's not an option. Joshua was under the authority of Moses. He was under the authority of the Lord. Not under the authority of himself or his feelings or his ideas. Even if his ideas were good ideas right ideas. They were subservient to the Lord and to the anointed leader Moses. I'm going to pick on a term for a second. It's a term that comes up a lot when I talk to people about maybe leading a small group or something or even stepping into some form of leadership, even if it's just in their life. Directional conversations bring this up. And people say, I'm just not sure I'm feeling led to do that. I don't know, you know, I'm just not sure I'm feeling led. And I'd encourage you when, because we've all said it, I've said it, I've used it, and I'm going to talk a little bit about what's behind that sentence for me, maybe behind that sentence for you. But I would encourage you that when you say that sentence, to maybe consider that it's more about feeling than it is about led. What you're really saying there is, is, I'm not sure I have what I f need to feel in order to do what I know I'm called to do. Joshua wasn't just feeling led to do something. He was commanded to do something. He was told by the Lord. He had embraced the authority of the Lord. He had embraced his position. And therefore, when he was given direction from the Lord, he was able to act this was one of the things that really shocked me was how quickly after hearing from the Lord, he acted on it. Because all the kind of go, I'm like, oh man, Lord, I really, 
sensing you're, you're leading me to do this. I'm going to go have 47 conversations with all my friends and see if they think the same thing. Just one more conversation. He was able to act with speed and certainty because of his understanding of his position. It sounds subtle, but it's different. It's like saying a Red Ryder BB gun and a howitzer cannon are both firearms. (laughs) We say things like, I think this is what I'm possibly maybe kind of feeling the Lord might be asking me to do. But what happens is that the first sign of opposition, if what we're doing is just rooted in our feelings and not in the authority of the Lord, at the first sign of opposition or resistance, you will find it very easy to change tune, to jump ship. Whoa, hey, I, didn't, I must not be feeling led to do this. This is hard. I don't like this. But a call, what we see going on with Joshua, a command, a man who has embraced the Lord's authority in his life. That leading bears with it the authority and the strength of the one giving the command. Don't miss this. The power, the capacity of the Lord is the thing that is going to fulfill the command. Not Joshua. Now this doesn't mean that you won't feel afraid necessarily. But opposition, struggle, these things will not deter you. In fact, we could look at some passages, you would even begin to embrace, we would begin to embrace that that's actually a natural part of following the Lord where he's leading us. I'm going to get resistance. Paul talked about it in 1 Timothy, join with me in suffering for the gospel. There's a confidence and a resolve in a command that's not present in a feeling. See, authority, it gives context to your feelings. And this is a huge issue in our culture. This is a massive, massive, massive thing for you and I. Because I, I'm speaking about myself, but I'm really talking about all you too. (laughs) I equate most of my certainty about anything with my feelings and my emotions. Now, I'm not bashing emotions. If you know me, if you've been around me enough, I cry like a, whoa, I almost said like a girl. I cry like a grown man who's supposed to cry because I'm a man. (laughs) That's how I cry. (laughs) I'm going to cry right now. Uh, I cry like a baby. There we go. I feel almost more than anybody I know. It scares me sometimes how much I feel. But I'm asking you this question. Are your emotions the only thing you use to make decisions? Is that the only way that you would know that's, ah, that's where the Lord's leading me? I feel. What other factors come into play for you following the Lord into where he's leading you. Ask yourself this question, have I ever done anything that went deeply against the grain of what I felt because of the certainty that the Lord was leading me to do it? If finding your voice as a leader is dependent on you feeling good, 
about what you're doing or what you're called to do, you are not going to be willing to see leadership brought into your life very much. And definitely not through your life. We've got to see the emotional realism of this. Joshua was a human being. He was a man. There was a sleepless night. Certainly there was the feelings of fear. There's a difference, though, between being strong and courageous and feeling strong and courageous. Joshua was strong and courageous, regardless of what he felt. Why? Because he was under the authority. He was under the leadership. He had embraced his position. It was the strength of the Lord, the spirit of the Lord inside of him that was leading him. What has authority in your life? Who calls the shots, guys? Can you even take direction from the Lord? Can I take direction from the Lord? In what small ways are you unwilling to follow Jesus? Are we all holding out for these bigger ways? What causes us to move? What causes us to sit? Let's go back to Joshua 1 just for one second because I want, I want us to look at one more thing. We're not going to unpack this really today, but it's a beautiful thing because what we see is we see how Jesus has done this. How Jesus has done the very thing that we're talking about this morning. Joshua 1, verse 12, it says, The root... But to the Reubenites and the Gadites and the half-tribe of Manasseh, what Joshua said, remember the command that, the Mo- that Moses, the servant, I almost did it again, the Moses, the servant of the Lord gave you. The Lord your God is giving you rest and has gathered you to this land. Your wives and your children and your livestock may stay in the land that Moses gave you east of the Jordan. But all of your fighting men, fully armed, must cross over a head, hear this, a head of your brother's. You are, a, you are to help your brothers until the Lord gives them rest, as he has done for you. Now, these three tribes were given land. They didn't have to cross the Jordan to have what they had already been given as their inheritance. But the Lord called these men to leave their place of rest in order to go fight for the rest of their brothers. It's a beautiful picture. a beautiful picture of what happens when the Lord gets a hold of your heart. That you stop thinking about your promised land, your position, and you leave it even, even at your own risk of what you would maybe lose in order to go fight for the rest of other people. And why we can do that is because it's exactly what Jesus has done for us guys. He left heaven. He left and humbled himself. Died. Rose again. He left perfect unity in the Trinity. Forsaken by the Father, he did this so that you and I could enter 
that rest. Jesus has done this for us. We will find our voice of leadership when we surrender to his voice of love. When we yield to this love, when we submit to this authority, this authority that was manifest in his love for you, his love for me, seen on the cross, our lives will become living manifestations of his love to the world around us, to our families, to our friends. He will begin to direct everything that we do because our eyes will be fixed on him. Like Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. So Midtown starts small. you got to start somewhere. So start small. Embrace him in the smaller areas of your life, in the quiet of your life, in what no one else sees. Embrace the desert. Many of you feel like you're in a desert, I'm sure. He is using the desert to prepare you. Embrace the process the Lord has you in. Live in the now. Embrace his authority, which was demonstrated in his deep sacrificial love for you and I. When we do this, the Holy Spirit will begin to lead us. The word, his scriptures, will begin to lead us because we're embracing Christ. His journey for us has now become his journey in and through us. And his voice will become our voice. Let's pray. Lord, this is hard. It's hard for me uh, to even say it out loud. There are so many things competing in my heart and mind for your authority. So many other things I look to to give me direction, to tell me that I'm okay and that tell me I don't have to be afraid. I put my hope and my functional trust in so many other things than you. Lord, I just pray that this morning, Lord, that you would help us begin the process of following, that we would find our voice in hearing your voice, Lord, that we would embrace the significance of what you've done, that you've gone before us. And that you continually go before us, Lord, leading us, promising us the things that you promised Joshua, that you'll never leave us and you'll never forsake us, and that you are with us wherever we go. So, Lord, lead me, lead my friends here today. Show us what areas of our lives you want to bring leadership into. Show us the areas of our lives that you want us to find a voice May we hear your voice in those areas. In your name, amen.